Welcome to Keepers of the Word. We are an esoteric study group of Freemasons. Our purpose is to share knowledge of mystery schools and debunk any misconceptions about Freemasonry. You are here with Mike, Ron, and Joe. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, here's our disclaimer. Any of the opinions expressed on Keepers of the Word do not reflect the opinions of other organizations or lodges. All right, today's topics uh, will include Egyptian mystery schools, and we're going to do some brotherhood topic as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that at the end. Talk about brotherhood at the end as well. So let's get this started. We've got one hour, and here we go. All right. So why ancient Egypt? The uneducated with no interest in mystical traditions and the esoteric may regard ancient Egypt as little more than a place of pagan worship, strange hieroglyphics, and monuments erected by thousands of Hebrew slaves. But those more learned, especially those having undertaken the initiative rituals of Freemasonry, will see a link between the Egyptian metaphysical tradition and modern mystery schools, of which Freemasonry is one. The Egyptian philosophers have sublime notions with regard to the divine nature, which they kept secret and never discovered to the people but under a veil of fables and allegories. Once again, we see the similarities of, to the teachings, methods of Freemasonry, which is performed by way of symbolism and allegory and never revealed to the uninitiated, known as Cowans. Masonic author Albert Mackey believed in a relationship between modern Freemasonry and ancient Egypt. Wrote Mackey, quote, the identity the identity of design and method in the two systems as illustrated by the division into steps, classes, or degrees to which both were subjected, viz. Um, illustration. Okay. Purification or preparation, initiation, and perfection. End quote. Hmm. That was a lot. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. So we're talking about metaphysical, Egyptian metaphysical tradition and modern mystery schools. Um, we're kind of translating what they did there you know, in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, and, and moving that over to the modern mystery school. Um, there's a reason why a lot of things were kept secret, and that's because um, knowledge is power. And because knowledge is power, we have to use um, caution as to who has that power and who um, can understand it. Because obviously you could use knowledge to, to do bad, right? So um, that's my take on some of this. Where do you fall on that, Joe? Well, like you said, everyone you know, has power to manifest what they want in life. And if you have the wrong person with the wrong intention, then you, they can pretty much do some damage. Um, to the way things work in the universe, you know, if the more deeper you dive into a rabbit hole, the more uh, responsibility you have to maintain some sort of balance as far as not being consumed in the darker ways of living and also the lighter ways of living. So I think with ancient Egypt and what masonry has offered is something that it's kept a, it's kept a, a good moral timeline for people to follow and it's obviously survived for this many years. And it continues to survive today, and hopefully something like this continues to keep it surviving. Hmm. I think knowledge is also knowledge is also currency. I mean, if you have knowledge that other people don't have, then you have you have skills, you have a currency, you have the ability to, you know, make a living. Sometimes, hmm. you know, it's that type of thing. So. Knowledge can also be a form of currency, and so that was if you if that was your livelihood, if that was your currency, then obviously you're going to protect your knowledge, protect your the things, the the information and the secrets that you have, whether it be how to build the pyramids or whatever that may be. Hmm. Well, I think we covered that, right? Um, let's move on to the widow's son. Um, I'll go ahead and read this one off. Another link between modern Freemasonry and Egypt is the Isis-Osiris story that formed the crux of the ancient Egyptian belief system. In the Egyptian rites, Horus is the saver, avenger, son of Isis, magically conceived through the ritual after the 
brutal murder of her husband, brother, Osiris. We can apply this myth to modern Freemasonry's allegory of the murder of Hiram Abiff and the chief architect of the chief architect of Solomon's temple. Isis made a widow by Osiris's murder. Freemasons are called widow's sons. Gives birth through initiation ritual to Horus, the redeemer. Raised solely that he may avenge the destruction of wisdom by Set, aka chaos, and restore peace, harmony, and the just God in whom there is no death, the divine spark within. So go ahead and let's uh, let's talk about that. Widow's son. Well, not divulging anything too much, I guess. Um, if you look at that story, it's been played out throughout history in many different forms, uh, through Disney, through modern literature. Um, so obviously there has to be some sort of, uh, I guess you want to say truth to something must have happened at some point or in some ritual and it just happened to stick because enough people went through that experience and were able to actually be enlightened through some sort of aspect in life. Um, you know, ritual plays a heavy part in initiation and if you don't get a good ritual, you really ruined your initiations and you really ruined your degrees. So this sort of aspect and this sort of character, quote unquote, um, I think it's a powerful symbol that, uh, Will you die for your knowledge? Are you are you willing to? Yeah. You know, are you? Well, I also read. I recently read an article um, that equate that was equating the resurrection story, um, whether it be the Christ resurrection or any other resurrection story, Osiris, um, to the resurrection of the sun, basically. The winter solstice, when when winter dies and the sun is reborn, birthed again, and that the, for instance, the connection what what the article I read said was that the connection with um, is it Anubis that uh, the dog yes so Anubis underworld uh, is connected to the underworld in Egyptian mythology, but Anubis represents the dog star, which was present during the um, the winter solstice and the three kings like for the Christ story representing the three stars and the rebirth of the resurrection being the sun and so their their analogy in the story that I read was essentially that that we've always been not only you know sun worship goes way way back as far as religious and spiritual and ancient mystery schools goes but also that we've always been a culture, a people that look to the stars and try to figure out our place in the world based on looking at, looking outwards, you know, as above, so below type of situation. Hmm. So I found that to be an interesting article. That is an interesting article. Joe, you want to read off the next one? Sure. Um, the next one is going to be the similarities in symbols and teachings. Other similarities between Freemasonry and Egyptian mystery schools are seen in certain Masonic symbols and initiatic procedures. When he first enters a lodge room for initiation, the candidate for Freemasonry is blindfolded and has a rope tied around his neck by which he is led in a circular motion around the room. This rope is called a cable toe. The cable toe is purely Masonic in meaning and use, but as many Masonic symbols, it is rooted in antiquity. Vases from ancient Mexico have been unearthed that showed candidates proceeding through a ceremony of initiation in which they are being taught a sign while wearing a noose, around, a noose rope around their necks. In the religious ceremonies of the Brahmins, Greeks, and Druids, altars were worn around an initiate's neck. In ancient mystery schools of Egypt, a chain was placed around a candidate's neck as part of his preparation for initiation. As in Freemasonry, the Egyptian candidate was also blindfolded to represent a state of darkness before emerging into the light of knowledge when the blindfold was removed. So with that, you can pretty much relate the chamber reflection of first degrees. You're sort of in a cave, a sort of state of darkness, and 
just like in the ancient initiations, they were always put in some sort of dark, darkened room or cave-like structure in order to... Caves were very common in, in initiations. In initiation ancients. And like you said, Mike, um, it helps you get rid of your fears as far as, one, the darkness, which is the most common fear in human existence, and also just your own fears of your own mind, and also who you see in that reflection when you look into the mirror in front of you. You get that uh, uncertainty out of your way. Dealing with your mortality as well. I mean, yeah. Well, that important. I think most important is you're forced to face your fear in in those situations, and a lot of people don't go through those things. You know, when when you go through initiation or through ritual, you're you're being put through something because you got to know we got to know what you're made of. Right. And it's not it's not so severe. I bet you back then it was really scary, really, really crazy. But now, you know, we've watered it down, but it's still an experience. It's still something that speaks to you from the inside uh, because there's nobody else going going through it with you. You're doing it alone. You know, so it's 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 very deep, the the meaning. And I think it, it hits home in a lot of places where people want to kind of push the envelope when it comes to, you know, how, how far am I willing to go to be a part of something or search for light and so on? So I think that that in itself is very, very important to understand that, you know, when, when you're talking about all these all these things that you're going through from symbols to cable toes and all those all those um, all those topics, there's a reason that you're doing it. You're doing it because you want to reach the adept. You want to become adept. You want to understand and none of us are ever going to be masters. I mean, we, we could, you could call yourself a master of, of something or, you know, of the adept. But the truth is you're, you're never going to be. You're always going to constantly be learning. And I think that's the awesome part about it all is you're always learning. And that's a, a great thing. Always striving towards that perfect Ashler. Right. Um, now I'll get into the white apron. The white apron, when a candidate becomes a Freemason, he is presented with a white apron, consisting of a square overlaid with a triangle. The apex of the triangle, triangular flap represents the divine spark we must endeavor to recover. It is a part of us made in the image of our creator, and there's no better geometric figure to symbolize this than the triangle. After all, the geometri after all geometrically, a triangle is the very first shape that can be made by drawing straight lines this is why the number three was venerated by the ancients and still is to this day the trifecta father son holy spirit um if you look at the lodge the three main seats three lights. three lights the three great lights and the three lesser lights uh three great pyramids of giza um man the three stars on Orion's belt that sit right under those. I mean, everything, the, the divine numbers, three and nine, right? Uh, that very important, um, very important to know, especially if you're always seeing 333 on the clock. <laughs> it's, it's something that uh, you're, you're being, you're, from what I read one time, it was uh, the divine is speaking to you. If you're constantly focusing and you see some 333, you know, that you're, you're in the you're in the right place and in the right heart and you're moving forward to strive for the right things um the triangle and the apron um i never really looked at it that way because you know if we look you look at the apron it, you don't really pay attention to those things but now that you know i saw this part it kind of like changed my 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 uh view of it yeah right on so let's uh, continue on the triangle of divine spark. In Judaism, the triangle represents the past, present, and future. To the Chinese, heaven, earth, and water. To the Hindus, creation, preservation, and renewal. The three points of the triangle also represent the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the collective unconscious. The ancient Egyptian ceremony of initiation led the, the candidate to the door shaped exactly as a Masonic apron. A triangle over a square, symbolizing his progression from an earthly material existence square into heavenly spiritual existence or higher learning triangle. From square to triangle. Four part to three part. 
What is a, how does that relate? Well, if you look <laughs> at, if you look at alchemy, if you look at symbolism of alchemy, everything is either a circle, a square or a triangle or in some sort of aspect. Um, if you look at sulfur, mercury and salt, that's basically what we're all made of are those basic three elements, spirit, mind and body. Um, Sacred geometry is big in masonry. I mean, you see it everywhere. Um, and you see it in everything in existence. So why not preserve that sort of, uh, I guess, mental image in, in, in your initiate's mind? It is, you're teaching them one thing, but you're really trying to teach them something else beyond that. And hopefully one day they'll realize what that true meaning of that was. By using the symbolism. By using symbolism. <clears throat> That's why symbolism is big in our fraternity anyway. You know, we want to teach you something, but hopefully you'll do your due diligence and actually go deeper into that meaning and start applying it in different ways to where you can teach someone that new way and so on and so forth. And eventually you've created something entirely different, but meaningful and still true to the originality of the original idea. Hmm. I don't know. That's just my take. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's what we're here for, right? To have our own takes. So, triangle or the point within a circle. Sorry, did you want to do that? Or? Sure. Okay. Point within a circle. The Masonic symbol of the point within a circle inside two parallel perpendicular lines is steeped in antiquity. Early Egyptian monuments have been discovered inscribed with the symbol of God, represented by the Alpha and Omega. In the center of a circle bordered by two perpendicular parallel serpents. In many ancient belief systems and mystery schools, a circle was used to symbolize God. Like a circle, God has no beginning and no end. Um, we're, we're taught that the point within the circle is, is us. And so if, if you want to equate that to it being representation of God in the, during ancient times... Is that a representation of God within us? The piece that that was made within His image. Ouroboros, same thing. The beginning with no end. Also, end with no beginning. The sun as well. The sun yeah. is another. <clears throat> they all see an eye. It's considered the same thing. But anything outside of that is considered. You're you're in trouble, right? <laughs> you step outside of that line, you're you're no longer circumscribing. Right. So there, there's there's limitations. Well, there isn't any limitation. It's just, you know, you're, you step outside of those lines. You're looking for trouble. So you're hmm. causing chaos. All righty. So the honeycomb. One of the emblems of the third degree in Freemasonry is the honeycomb. Many ancient civilizations referred bees and honey. The ancient Egyptians developed methods of advanced apiculture as far as far back as 300 BCE. Many is the first king of Egypt who ruled somewhere between 5,000 BCE and 4,000 BCE was called the beekeeper, a title bestowed on all subsequent pharaohs. Depictions of bees and honey are prevalent on many Egyptian carvings, including the Flemic and Pamphlemic obelisks, the obelisks of of uh, Luxor and pillars of the temple of Karnak and on statues of Ramses II, even the Rosetta Stone, which dates back to 196 BCE, was etched with pictures of bees. Royal tombs in Egypt also show their importance of beekeeping and honey, including the enormous sarcophagus of Ramses, Ramses II, which includes Numerous pictures of honeybees. Foods, stuffs create, created by bees, such as pots of honey, honeycombs, and honey cakes, were placed by the sarcophagi as food for the gods. Even Alexander the Great requested that his body be wrapped in honey upon his death. Sweet. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. <laughs> right? Like, hey, I want to be drenched with honey, guy, when, you know. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Really interesting. 
Worker bees make the hive, man. We all got to work together to strive to make something bigger and better than ourselves. Keep that bacteria out, too. If he, <laughs> he, wants, he wants to preserve his body. Teamwork, it, yeah. harmony, right? Yeah, as far as the bees are concerned, they, they can teach a lot. Um, there is a hierarchy you know, that needs to be followed. If you step out of it, you, know, you cause disharmony and the fall of the hive. And I think that applies to everything, work, friendship, relationships. You know, you have that one person who steps in and just causes disruption. It can destroy the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that is very important in a lodge. If you just have one member who just constantly busting balls or just being a pain in the ass it mm. kind of you know disrupting the harmony yeah you're disrupting the harmony mm. and you're not working together which isn't cool you know <clears throat> you want to take the next one there sure keeping hush hush secrecy and silence play a big part in masonic teachings but are not exclusive to the organization wellens calcutt author of a, a Candid Disquisition of the Principles and Practices of the Most Ancient and Honorable Society of Free and Accepted Masons, quite possibly the longest book title ever, <clears throat> wrote of the ancient veneration of secrecy and silence. Quote, We shall find that the old Egyptians had so great a regard for silence and secrecy in the mysteries of their religion that they set up the god to whom they paid peculiar honor and veneration, who was represented with the right hand placed near the heart and the left down by his side, covered with a skin before, full of eyes and ears, to signify that of many things to be seen and heard, few are to be published. End quote. Apuleius, who was an initiate in the mysteries of Isis, said, Quote, by no peril will I ever be compelled to disclose to the uninitiated the things that I have had entrusted to me on condition of silence, unquote, End quote. The best known champion of silence and secrecy was Pythagoras, who ventured to Egypt to study the mysteries, which he later brought back to Greece. To become a member of the Pythagorean school, an initiate took an oath of silence for two to five years. Novices were called listeners and were not permitted to partake in class discussions, but only to listen so the teachings could be absorbed before entering into an intellectual debate on what they learned. The connections between... Well, we should probably stop there, huh? Yeah, I think we should stop there. So, learning how to be quiet. I think that applies to... Well, the good and the bad, you know, go to jail, tell you shut up, you don't talk. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to listen. We, most of the time we speak so that we can be heard. We're waiting, having a conversation with someone includes waiting for someone to finish what they're saying so that we can talk. So... A lot of times we're not actually paying attention. We're not listening. And listening is a great source for knowledge in order to gain the knowledge to learn the skills. And so as far as the Pythagorean schools with having to listen for two to five years and not be able to say anything, I can imagine how tough that was. I know I, I, I have a friend who did, I don't know, whether he was going through some mystery school or just decided to do it on his own, but that he took a vow of silence for a year, and Ooh. I know it was, I know it was really impactful for him. He he learned a lot of stuff by just listening, and I don't remember. I think he carried a whiteboard around with him if he needed to communicate with people or whatever. <laughs> but he did not talk for a year, and it was uh, it was pretty intense. I remember that that uh, experience that Dave shared with us where he went on that retreat uh, up north and he had to spend two weeks in silence said after 48 hours he was he was just done he wanted to leave 
and you know he had to talk himself into staying but then he said afterwards he felt a peace that he's never felt before but it was so hard and at the same time it's like dude I, I don't know if I could do that there's no way I could be quiet for two whole years um that that's that's insane but then back then there was purpose you didn't have tvs back then you didn't have yeah. you know you didn't have a lot of you didn't have media you didn't have you weren't um you didn't have access to knowledge like we do to t today so it was very important to listen back then because the knowledge was mouth to ear most of the time a lot of people didn't know how to read back then so it was you know you had to listen you had to be able to absorb all of that and be able to recant it um in a way where it it makes sense but what i would want to get into maybe on another episode is the, the mystery school of Pythagoras because I know there's a lot of there's a lot going on in there especially going into the allegory of the cave and you know things that we already just covered yeah. um, you know Pythagoras did go into Egypt and he came back with you know more knowledge so it's it's interesting that that all these schools kind of intersect here and there um, and the teachings are still valid to this day I, I think it's something that um, Oh, we need to continue this tradition. It's 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 definitely important to whoever is coming into a fraternity or sorority. Uh, you have to follow the rules and you have to understand the, the purpose because there's meaning behind them, deep meaning, and uh, a meaning that's internal as well. <clears throat> you want to continue this or? Sure. Okay. The connections between ancient Egypt and modern Freemasonry are many, and only a few are presented in this article. To say that Freemasonry was born from the Egyptian mystery schools and their initiation rituals is true in part. Nobody can claim to know the full history of Freemasonry and the origin of each of its symbols. The Egyptian mystery schools played a part in its development, as did those of the Greeks, Romans, Druids, Essenes, Cathars, Rosicrucians, Alchemists, and the guilds of medieval stonemasons. Yeah, including with what we were just talking about with Pythagoras. You know, there's there's several schools of thought as far as our ancient connections in Freemasonry and whether it be some believe alchemy has was our you know our birthright, and some people believe that that um, <coughs> that the uh, the Egyptian mystery schools were, but I'd also heard someone talk about the Pythagorean schools as well, being the, right. uh, the history of Freemasonry. So, well, even Mithra, uh, Mithraism, Mithras as well. Yeah. We borrowed a lot from them, um, especially with the whole cave allegory again, yeah. and also um, even sacrifice. They were even doing human sacrifice back then. So, we've calmed down since then, <laughs> um, or have we? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say we don't. <laughs> Just kidding. But um, I think, you know, looking at, at all these guilds or, or the, ancients, the ancient schools, they kind of intersect throughout time. Uh, if you look all the way, you could look all the way back to Samaria and you'll find some similarities. Um, where does it all come from? Um, we, we, we can't get the the right you know because i don't remember we had this conversation a while back well where did the, the were the knights templars freemate or was that the original origination of the freemasons you said no there's really nothing that says that there's no evidence but there's no evidence but there's suggest there's strong suggestions right so Absolutely. you have two things that don't 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 cross but they're there and they suggest that they do Oh, can we say yeah, hundred percent? No, but they're there, and uh, to me, that's that's some, those are rabbit holes that we choose to go down. And that's the whole purpose of keepers of the word. We want to go down these rabbit holes. We want to try to find. I don't want to say answers because we're never going to find answers all the time, but it's good to get some facts. And I think that's very important in, in researching is being able to find facts and, and make sure that, you know, you don't just go off of YouTube University 
because all that can be uh, it's not it's not 100% accurate man I mean if, if you find something that isn't published or wasn't written at some point and, and it could be changed then it's not a, a definite source of knowledge um, now if that YouTube channel that you're listening to is quoting facts from specific um, books or, or authors and, or people that you know to be legit then that's a different story but how how often is that that that's the truth right well especially when you consider how many of those channels whether it be YouTube or whatever aren't actually you know if they're talking about masonry but aren't actually masons I mean how much can they actually understand that too I think that's very important because you always hear well you're not a high enough level first of all their degrees second of all there's no, you know, there's no high enough. Third degree is the highest level. Sorry. For those of you that want to argue, it is the highest level. Everything else is extra credit, you know. Although you, there is a lot of knowledge in the other, in the other oh, areas, but, absolutely. you know, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from, from the appendant bodies, but the truth is Blue Lodge is the core, and that's where it's at. That's the modern mystery school. So, um... Let's uh let's give some let's talk about Michael Schiavello. We, I got most of this information from Michael Schiavello, who's um, is a best-selling off, author, award-winning featured writer, and a international television sports broadcaster known as The Voice. He has commentated sports events in more than 20 countries, including the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing. He is the host of The Voice versus interviews shows on the U.S network access tv where his guests have included steven seagal sugar ray leonard hulk hogan george foreman stone cold steve austin and many more his featured writing has appeared in more than 50 publications worldwide michael's a 32nd degree mason past master of daylight lodge number 44 in las vegas nevada and holds a certificate of masonic education oh he's legit <laughs> Michael's book, Know Thyself, Using the Symbols of Freemasonry to Improve Your Life, is a number one hot new release on Amazon. So go check him out. I wanted to give him his credit because, you know, we, we did borrow a lot of his stuff and we expanded on it, which is basically what we do here at Keepers of the Word. We want to take whatever we find, um, try to see, you know, make sure that it's legitimate and then expand upon it with our own views to see, you know, how they correlate or maybe we don't have the same views. And that's okay, you know, agree to, to agree to disagree. There's plenty of times I do that, <laughs> you know, unfortunately. So uh, let's see if there's any questions from our audience that is online on uh, Instagram, on our Instagram page. Let's see, regarding the mystery schools and Egypt. Look, like everybody's really quiet now. They don't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> How do you go about finding a mystery school? Oh. Hmm. There's a couple in LA, but you have to be into some pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I guess. What's your poison, right? What's <laughs> what do you want? You know, because there's you could go pretty deep, or you could just, you know. Join join a something that's not so you know where you're where you're sacrificing things and you know yeah and I mean there's there's if if you just do the research on mystery schools there's everything from whether you talk about Freemasonry to Rosicrucianism to OTO to OTA to you know Telemon they're all out there yeah. They're all, they're just, again, pick your poison. Yeah. But do your research. Masonry's more the surface to all those. Yeah. This is more the stepping stone. Then you just slowly walk down the staircase to deeper and more mysterious things. What does the skull mean to you guys? Uh, Memento mori. Remember death. Death is always there. So what are you going to do from now until your death? Yeah, and exactly what Mike was saying in the very beginning about um, about facing your fears. I mean, fear of the dark, fear of death. 
death is a big is a major fear for most people and and dealing with your mortality and dealing with that fear and looking it directly in the face and then knowing that you're going to die which is exactly memento mori remember you die and living your life that way living your life to the fullest trying to be a better person every day based on the fact that you could die at any point um that's what the skull represents is is death uh-huh. and once once you learn to deal with death then you can live life and you don't have to fear it and you can um welcome death as a uh, how do we say kind messenger kind messenger look at anubis for going to stick with egyptian real quick i mean i personally got my tattoo with anubis on it because egyptians were taught that when you die you are sort of led by anubis to cross over into that afterlife and you're brought before a bunch of gods and judges in order to be judged on whether you lived a pure life or a or a life of hate and anger if you're heart outweighed the feather then you were cast back into the earth into a mom back on here if you were lighter than the feather then you would move on to that sort of godlike status up in the heavens ascension ascension um so yeah it's for me it, it's anubis was my ultimate uh uh i guess image for me to kind of remind myself every day to sort of live that more balanced life and be more on the pure side than on the chaotic side. So, that's just my two cents. <laughs> hmm. Two cents. Well, um, death is something we really don't talk much about. It's kind of something that um, we don't want to talk about, right? We Every time, you know, somebody's passed away or somebody, you know, is no longer with us, it's, it's a touchy subject. Um, Hence the term passed away. Yeah. And they died. And, <laughs> and if we look at it from, from our perspective, as from the living perspective, we have to really take into account that our time is limited. Um, we are expected 80 years, right? Uh, some of us are ha- at the halfway point, right? And, and, and others are, in their 20s, you know, like my son, he's, he's, he's young. He's in, you're, you're immortal, right? You're at that age. You, nothing's going to happen to you. Anything in, can happen. Invincible. Yeah, anything can happen to you. It's, but it's what you're doing from that point forward. How are you going to really pay homage to your ancestors? And how are you going to do right and leave your name in a good way? When people talk about you when you're gone what are they going to say? Are they going to say good things or are they going to say a bunch of bad things? You know, that's your, your word is your honor. Your last name That's one thing I always tell my son, your name is everything. If you, if you have, if if people talk bad about your name, you're messing it up for your lineage because everybody's going to associate you with that. So how, how are you going to live from this point forward? You know, are you going to be good or are you going to go off the, off the rails outside of the the compass and just do some really messed up things in life. See, see, we got anything else in here? Well, we could easily transition in with you talking about your word. We could easily transition into what we were going to discuss about brotherhood. So brotherhood. Yeah. So, you know, you join a fraternity. A fraternity is, is for men. <laughs> it's, it's a brotherhood. Um, you join it for a reason. You, you join it because you want to be around. If you're a solid individual, you want to be around other solid individuals, right? And your word has to mean everything, especially in a fraternity. You know, if it should mean anything, period, as a man in general. Um, I don't think a lot of people take take that and really apply it, especially those um those who have been in the fraternity a long time kind of you know they they see it but they don't see the problems that are arising with people coming in who made it past the west gate and you know aren't really um solid individuals man 
And what I mean by solid is it's somebody that you can trust with their, with your life. Uh, and your life meaning your money, your 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 family, your belongings, your belongings. Whatever. I mean any anything. Um, it's 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 very serious. It's not something to be taken lightly. And you know, unfortunately, you know, you're going to come around come across people that aren't worthy of your brotherhood, and that's okay as long as you're able to identify it. You know, yeah. and, and how do you identify that? You know, that through gut feelings, through um, characteristics. Um, there's many different ways. I think there's some people who are, are more empath and they could feel better. They could feel as this person is just not right to be around. Uh, whereas other people aren't really that in touch with those type of frequencies and being. Um, you get you get blinded easily, you know, and, and you just want to you just want to hope that everything turns out great. But is, is it real? And that's that's one of the major questions in in any fraternity. Um, you want to make sure, especially in your own lodge, you want to make sure your your boys are solid, man. They got your back. And that's why the vetting process is so important. I mean, that's why when we're when we have the candidates coming in and expressing interest in in the brotherhood and, and wanting to join our organization, we it, it is our due diligence to make sure to vet them that they are going to be that type of individual because that's what this organization is all about. This organization is about being able to trust your brother with your with everything with your livelihood with your family with your personal belongings with your money whatever and and lift each other up and support each other and and you know whether that be supporting for instance you know a group of us here from the lodge went to see uh one of our uh, past masters here brother ed taylor was just installed as master of north hollywood lodge last saturday and a group of us got to go support him at his lodge and it was it was phenomenal to to have a group of brothers from this lodge hanging out with a group of brothers from that lodge and experiencing the fellowship and the friendship and the brotherhood that is what this organization is about and it was uh I thought it was pretty awesome. And if you get the true grip of true grip oh. Taylor, oh. <laughs> you're pretty much in, right? That's it. But, you know, it's, it's like these lodges that make Masons within a month of them showing up. It's ridiculous. You know, it's all about the numbers game for some factories. of these lodges. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Mason factories. You know, like we were talking about, Pythagoras had... Two his, years, two to five years, Sometimes man. five. I mean, it was ridiculous, but it was a good vetting process. You know, nowadays, oh, you come around for a pub night and now you think you can get an application. No. Oh, or I get a, I get a message on IG. Make me a Mason now. Yeah, I want to join Illuminati. Like, bro, like, because okay, they want to be rich and famous. They want to be rich and famous, <laughs> and you know, all of a sudden we're handing out money. First of all, you cannot be made a Freemason over the internet. One, two, you have to physically go to a lodge and hope that that they're cool with you and they like you and you're a likable person or you're a solid guy, and maybe you'll get an application. You know, and so those are two major things that you need to understand. Those who have questions about that, because I get them every day from I don't know why it's it's always like Tanzania or, you know, Ghana or something like that. And it's like, dude, Africa, let's get it together, man. <laughs> Come on, dude. It's crazy. But people need to realize that it's also a commitment too. once you get that application. There's no. Yeah, it's, you do have it's to serious. follow through with it because you you will show your true character at that point. Are you going to persevere and go through it, or are you going to, you know, get that fear and, and walk out of the doors and not not and really gain the, anything? The older just, guys don't care; they just want to make sure you you're solid. And yeah. if you're you're not solid, you're falling blackball. Sorry, it ain't going to work out. Yeah. Good old blackballs. Do we have any more questions from our audience? Let's see what we got going on here. Fraternity is everything. Yes, you're right. It is everything. How do you know what mystery school is right for you? It's a good question. It's a good question. So um, Freemasonry was right for me. And, and uh, yeah, am I calling Freemasonry a mystery school? Yes, I am. It's a modern mystery school. 
it's it's a bit of both. It's it's kind of like a social club and a mystery school. It's got that perfect balance, I think. Now, if you want to go a little further into, like, show that book right there, man, The Golden Dawn, right? Okay, get into that stuff. You're going to go a little deeper. It's going to require a little more... Um, You better you better be open to some things because <laughs> things could get pretty crazy really fast. So, um, I, I think I think finding the right mystery school is all about being on your personal path to enlightenment. You know, however you however you start your path to enlightenment, you're gonna find your you're gonna find your right place. You're gonna find your as soon as you start going down the path, the path's gonna present itself to you. And for most people, at least people within Freemasonry, they knew that that path was taking them that way. That was the a calling or the interest or whatever it may be. And you know, and for other mystery schools, whether it be Rosicrucians or whether it be Golden Dawn or whatever, you you're gonna you're already going to be doing research on whatever organization mystery school or whatever that you have an interest in and you'll you'll know you'll know whether it's it's calling to you whether it's going whether it's pulling you down the path to toward your enlightenment that you need to to have hmm. i think we covered that <laughs> that's good let's see if there's anything else that anybody else posted while we're on uh, it was one thing that a uh, seek light is on here. Hello, mm -hmm. buddy. Uh, symbolism is always a great subject. Many cultures interpret th them differently. As with masonry, one can see the foundation, but in time, how they choose to use it can vary. Wow. Okay. Yes. I totally agree with you there. How we can use it may vary. So we could all be taught the same thing and we'll use it in different ways. Some of us are more tolerant than others. I mean, I'm not that tolerant. Joe, you're very tolerant. You know, um, and that's okay. That's what makes us different. Imagine if we're all the same. It'd be boring. It'd be a boring world, you know. Yeah, and that's probably the reason why there's a thousand different theories about whether it be symbolism within the organization or where Freemasonry has its roots, where we came from, whatever, it's because everyone's going to get, have their own interpretation, have their own concept and ideas and understandings and do what they will with their knowledge with, that they, uh, when they seek light. They seek light. Yeah, we're throwing a plug there <laughs> at Seek Light on Instagram. Go ahead and give him a follow. He's got a great a bunch of great information and, and knowledge on there. The good brother from South Pasadena Lodge. Um, <clears throat> so anything else we want to cover right now before we – I know we, we didn't cover a whole hour, but you know I think we, we covered a lot and we answered a lot of questions. And For our first one. This is our first podcast that so we're going to – upload this onto YouTube and get a, get our own podcast channel on iTunes. Um, so we should have that up in the next couple days. So those of you that missed it, you, you're able to, you know, go and reference and, and see it through different media. Um, so that way we keep, we, we keep our channel going and if you can't please share, you know, share, share our information. We greatly appreciate it. So, subscribe, uh, follow, um, so might as well mention um might as well mention our get together uh, maybe some people maybe some people want to meet up at uh, the truck so um so i'm just i'm just gonna throw this out here just to fill in some time uh february 10th we're going to be meeting up at uh sandy the racetrack in southern california um hopefully we get a lot of lodges and a lot of brothers to show up with their family um, it's gonna be a pretty laid back sort of day um if you like horse racing you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you just want to relax and enjoy the scenery, it's there for you too. Um, we're going to be meeting around 12 o'clock. It's about $10 to get in with admission and parking. So if you guys are willing to show up and willing to give it a try, then we'll be there too. Uh, Good day of brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah. Hanging out with the families. Bet the farm. <laughs> get rich. Drink a beer. Rich, drink a beer. Drink a beer. Have a cigar. Have a 
There you go. Hang you know, out. Sounds like a good time to me. And Seek Light, we expect you to be there since it's in your neck of the woods. Thanks for putting that out there, buddy. <laughs> so I think uh, we'll close it up. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, hope this live feed was, uh, this feed was educational. This podcast was educational and satisfying. Um, we're going to be covering a bunch of different topics over the next couple months, and we'll be expanding on a bunch of things. Um, we would like to thank our sponsors, Samson, and of course, Ascended Masters Clothing. Um, you know, Carl Sir. Hearn, what's up? Thank you for always, you know, being there and, the and supporting builder. builder build bearded builders. <laughs> uh, don't forget to pre-order your pins. We got pins for sale. So yes, if you can, just DM us and we'll send you a link. They're $8 plus $2 uh, shipping. And then we got this little dandy ring right here for, was it, 20 bucks? Uh, 20 bucks plus five for shipping, 25 shipped. 25 shipped. Local oh. brothers want to pick yeah. them up from us. We should have these here in a couple of weeks. And um, we have sizes 8 through 13, whole sizes only. It's a nice quality ring, uh, good-looking ring, and help support the uh, help support the podcast and the stuff that uh, Keepers of the Word are going to keep doing. So if you're interested in that, hit us up on Instagram or on Facebook. Send us a message. We can get you the link to uh, make the purchase. All right, and that's it. We're going to cut, and that's the end of the that's